Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight is the third saying of Jesus as he hung on the cross. It is sometime between 9 a.m. and 12 noon on that not-so-good Friday in Jerusalem. You've got a real mixed bag of people gathering at Skull Hill, or what we call Golgotha or Calvary, and it's there where these words from John are recorded. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I want you to picture this. I want you to picture Mary standing at the foot of the cross. Now, Mary is much older now. Uh, we know that Jesus was somewhere between 30 to 33 years old at that time. And if Mary had been a teenager, like uh, many people suggest, she's probably in her late 40s maybe early 50s. She's no longer a young woman. Uh, she's probably past childbearing years. And on top of that, she is a widow. Joseph is no longer there. Uh, somewhere between the time when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple when he was 12 years old and uh, the time that Jesus began his ministry, Joseph seems to have dropped off the scene and most people more or less assume that he had passed on. So Mary is now all alone. She's older. Her shoulders are probably stooped a little bit. There are probably a few silver threads among the gold. And the carefree days of youth are now gone forever. And here she stands at the foot of the cross with two other women and the disciple that Jesus loved, John. And on the cross is her firstborn son. She watched as they beat him. She heard with the ear of a mother the screams and the cries of agony as she watched her son being tortured to death. And she couldn't do a single thing about it. She heard the cursing and the swearing of the crowd that gathered around. They, she watched as they walked by and they ridiculed him and as many of them did through rocks and clods, they cursed him. And she could do absolutely nothing about it. Only those who have watched a loved one die could ever begin to understand what it was like to be married that day, standing at the foot of the cross. And as the hours pass and the agony increases, she looks at her son and he is just kind of a, a shell of the man that he used to be, probably beaten almost beyond recognition, writhing in pain on the cross, and the crowd watching, loving every minute of it. And in those hours, Jesus looks down from the cross, and he sees his mother Mary, and he sees his disciple John standing next to her, and he cries out and he says those words, Mother, woman, behold your son. And then to John, he says, Behold your mother. And the Bible says that when Jesus said these words, immediately that very hour, John took Mary, the mother of Jesus, into his own home. Now, i got to confess to you that when I saw that I was assigned to preach the first three weeks in this series, and I saw this text, I thought, 
What on earth is this all about? See, at first reading, we may not understand the significance of what really took place that day. But see, in Jewish thought, the words of a dying man were the same as if he had written them out on paper. So when Jesus cried out, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother, it was as if Jesus was writing his last will and testament and is executing it right there on the cross. It's as if Jesus were saying, Mom, I'm leaving. I'm not able to take care of you anymore after I'm gone. There's nothing I can do for you anymore. I mean, but, but John, John is going to see to it that he, he will be for you what I used to be. He will be the son that you need. And he probably looked at John and said, John, you see my mother? Take care of her after I'm gone. Do for her what I would do if I were still here. I want you to ask yourself, why during his agony would Jesus do something like this? I think it's simply because even though he was dying in a terrible, agonizing torture on the cross, he is fulfilling one of the most basic responsibilities and most sacred obligations that any son would ever have. He was going to make sure that his mother was taken care of. Now, what does the Bible say? Well, what do we know about Jesus? Well, we know Jesus was a Jew. He was raised under the law. He would have been to synagogue school. He would have learned those first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and he would have learned what we repeated already tonight, the Ten Commandments. He knew that fourth commandment. What does it say? Honor your father and mother. It's not as if Jesus had a lot of options at this point hanging on the cross. I mean, he knew that he'd be dead in just a matter of hours. He couldn't give his mother any money. In fact, Scripture says that he had nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a place to live. He had no money to give her. He couldn't say, Mom, when I get off this cross, we're going we're gonna to spend some time together. Because he had no time left. He couldn't say, Mother, in a week or two, I'll tell you what, we'll take a trip together, just the two of us. He couldn't do any of that. All he could do in his dying moments was to fulfill that final obligation to be sure that his mother was taken care of after he was gone. Now, you may be wondering, what's the truth here in this story? Well, I think the truth is this. Although Jesus was about the business of saving the world, he was not too busy to take care of his parents. Now, there are a number of applications that I've gone through this story so often in the last number of weeks. And one of them is just that no, no one, and that's everybody, everybody who is here this night is ever discharged from that sacred obligation towards our parents. Thank God, Lord has left us a real pattern here, whether your parents are still alive or whether your parents are gone. I mean, though you may be about the business of saving the world, or though you may be a Christian committed to seeing that the gospel is spread all over this world, you are not now, nor will you ever be, discharged from the sacred obligation to care for your parents, to love, honor, and obey. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever. And see, I think if our Lord Jesus hanging there in agony remembered his mother at the very end of his life, should we not also do so? See, no one is ever discharged from that sacred and holy obligation towards parents. 
Here's the second thing I would suggest, that when you can't do anything else for people you love, you can at least tell them you love them. See, that's what Jesus was saying on the cross. He's saying, Mom, I can't come down. They're going to kill me. I'm a dead man, but I want you to be cared for. And before I die, I want you to know how much I love you. I'm giving you to John. Here's the third thing, and it's this, that no matter what you do in this life, you can hardly be considered a success if in your rapid climb up to the top you neglect the love and care for your parents. I hope you heard what I said, and I said no matter what else you do in this life, you can hardly be considered a success if in your climb to the top you neglect to care for your parents. So I think here's the principle as I understand it. We all know that the Bible says honor your father and mother. We also know that the New Testament says children obey your parents. Now, I think it's true that once you leave your home, there may be times when you may not be able to obey your parents. In fact, every wedding I've ever done, I said, you know, before you get married, your responsibility to your parents still is to love, honor, and obey. But the day you get married, your obedience goes husband and wife. But love and honor your parents, that's still there. Obey, not always. Honor, always and forever. And see, nobody, I think, is discharged from that obligation. And I would suggest that if you ever use your Christianity as a reason not to care for parents or people who raised you, it's going to be pretty harsh, but you're worse than an unbeliever. If you're a new Christian and your parents have not followed you in the face, it's still not an excuse. If you use that as a reason not to love someone or care for them or honor them, then you really know nothing of the Christian faith that you claim to have. Kind of a harsh message in a way, but you know, I want you to know I'm preaching some stuff tonight to myself. See, as Christ followers, we want to save the world. I, I want nothing more than that. That's why I like to preach and teach anywhere I get a chance. But while we're saving the world or while we're teaching and telling other people about Jesus, let's take time to do what Jesus did. Let's never use our great calling to get out of the moral obligations that he laid on us. I just think if the Lord, beaten, bruised, bloody, if he had time for his parents, his mom, while he was on the way to saving the world, then we all have time as well. Kind of a sacred principle of scripture. Now, another question, what do you do and where do you begin? I want to suggest three action steps. One of these is, if you really take this word to heart, go to your parents, if they're still living, and tell them you love them. Some of you might be sitting next to parents tonight. If you're sitting next to your mom or dad or parent, why not turn to them and say, I love you. be a good thing to do. Some of you need to make a phone call when you get home tonight. Some of you need to send an email or a text message just to say, I love you. Now, if you're too busy to do that, you're too busy. If you're too busy to honor your parents, you're too busy. If you've filled your life with so much stuff that you have no time for the people who brought you into this world, you've filled your life with a bunch of junk. You need to change what you're filling your life with. I think that's what Jesus is reminding us of. That's number one. Go to your parents, tell them how much you love them. Do it while you have the chance. But some of you are saying, I don't have parents around anymore. That's kind of my second point. If you can't honor them while they're alive, 
you can remember them after they die. That touches many of us here who are here tonight whose parents have already died. My grandparents raised me. I did not know my biological father and mother very well. Some of you know my father was in prison from the time I was born. My mother chose not to raise me and left me with my grandparents. And so I think about my grandparents who are also long gone. But what then? Well, I looked and looked and looked in my Bible, and I can never, I cannot find a verse that says, honor your parents only as long as they're alive. It's not in the Bible. You honor your parents if you are alive, whether they're, if they're alive or not. And how do you do this? I want to suggest just remember them. If you got a mom and dad that raised you and you loved them, are you telling great stories about them? I could stand on the lobby after church today and tell you story after story about my grandma and grandpa. Funny stories, sad stories, but all illustrate how much they loved me and cared for me and how much I loved them. I still remember my grandpa always saying, it's an awful dumb horse that doesn't learn from a beaten. I was 18 when I figured out who the horse was. <laughs> and that, you know, I love that man. I love that man. My grandson also has no father around. Never met him. He one time said to me when he came out of school, Grandpa, the kids think it's funny that I don't have a dad. And I said, you know something, Josh, you don't have a dad, but you had a father. That's how you got in this world. But I said, same with me, but sometimes when you don't have a dad, God gives you a really cool grandpa. And he thought that was pretty good. You remember them. You remember your mother and father. I mean, isn't it your worst fear that someday you will be dead and gone and nobody will remember you? Remember them. One way to honor your parents' memory is remember what they did for you. My grandparents gave me a Christian education. I went from kindergarten through eighth grade in a Lutheran school. My grandparents, rather than send me to the public school in town, paid for me to be able to go to a Lutheran high school on a college campus and paid for my college education and saw to it that I was able to buy my first house, which I was able to sell and finance seminary to graduate with no debt. You keep the stories alive and you tell them. You love them. You honor them. Their memory, remembering who they were and what they did. Now, I just suggest a third thing. If you're unable to speak good about your parents, you can honor them by refusing to speak evil about them. See, many of you did not have a mother or father like Mary and Joseph. Maybe your parents were never there when you needed them. Maybe there was a divorce and they left you. Or maybe you don't even know where your mother and father are. Maybe you were abused or hurt by people in the past. And as a result, some of you might say, well, Pastor, I can't really do what you're saying to me. And to be all, in, all, in all honesty, I say, I accept that. But even if your parents have hurt you, you are not dismissed from the command to honor them. So just listen very carefully. If you can't do anything else, there's one way you can honor parents, even if they hurt you. You can forgive them. You remember that first message? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And you can refuse to speak evil against them. 
I mentioned my father was in prison. My mother just left me. I could probably say all kinds of bad things about it, but I choose not to. It wouldn't benefit anybody. They're, they're gone. It would only be a hurt that I would keep entrapped inside myself. Now, the question is, where's the gospel in all of this? Well, I put, friends, I think this is the gospel. I mean, Jesus said this while he was hanging on the cross just hours before he died. I mean, just look at You know what this means up here so far? Jesus died as he lived, and that was thinking of other people. His first words were, Father, forgive them. I mean, he was forgiving enemies. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, he saved a thief who knew nothing about him other than the fact that this man was innocent and wanted to be remembered in his kingdom. His third word was, woman, behold your son, thinking of his mother. And I can guarantee you that as Lent goes by and you hear the fourth word, the fifth word, the sixth word, and the seventh word, you're going to see that Jesus died the same way he lived. And that's thinking of other people. That's why I want to encourage you, even as I, I encourage myself to be able to leave a place like Redeemer, committed to live the way that God wants us to live and to die the way he died, thinking not of self, but instead thinking of others. And I'll say it again, as Jesus hung on the cross that day, as he is on the way to saving the world, he had plenty of time yet to take care of his mother, to love her, to honor her. And so must we, both in life and death, take care, take enough time to care for people who care for us, whether they were your mom and dad, or whether they were your grandma and grandpa, or whether you were raised by an aunt and their uncle or other relatives or whoever it was, to thank God for those people. I'd add one final word because we are in a church, are we not? I often think of a church as just a big family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ tonight. And I think the story teaches us also that the church must be a family. But if we're going to talk about the church as a family, that must be more than a slogan or a bumper sticker. And I'll tell you why. It's because the Christian church was founded by a family man. And in the last hour of his life, he was not thinking of himself. He was thinking of others. May God enable us all to love, honor, obey, and cherish those he's placed in our lives. To live our lives in a way that would honor him. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we gather together our tithes and our offerings.